Hello, everyone, and welcome back into Above the Rim, a podcast hosted by yours truly, where we talk nothing but the hottest topics in the NBA. And how about that game four last night between the Lakers and the Heat? Was that not great basketball or what? Were you not entertained with that or what? What a game it was. So many storylines going into the game and so many storylines coming out of the game now that it is over. Of course, the Lakers outlasted the Heat in what was, I thought it was actually, a nail-biter. And it was absolutely the best game of the series between these two. So there's a whole lot to unpack with this game. and We're going to do just that. So let's just get this thing started. And you just heard me say it. The Lakers take the 3-1 lead after winning game four of the NBA Finals. They outlasted the Heat 102-96 in what was, like I said, a very good Finals game and the best game of the series, no doubt in my mind. And if you guys listened to my podcast yesterday, I did have the Lakers winning by eight. So I was only two points off the mark there. So, I mean, I don't want to take credit for that, but that was pretty good. And now, of course, Heat last night. I thought maybe the Heat would put up a good fight, and boy, did they ever. They always do. But I thought they would get a little boost from getting Bam back, and I really thought that they did, especially mentally. After their Game 3 performance, I felt like having Bam back was huge for this team. It was huge for the psyche, and it was just good to keep them feeling good about their chances. And I thought that Bam did give them a little boost, especially early. He had a little stretch there. I can't remember if it was the first or second quarter, but he had a little stretch there. We had some nice plays. He wasn't quite himself. I mean, I do not think he was, I do not think he was nearly 100% healthy by any stretch of the imagination. But overall, I thought he did fairly well. And I thought that he did his job and gave the Heat a big boost. And, you know, the Heat came ready to play after a great win in game three. And I felt like it really did feel like their game when it was at halftime. I don't know how you guys were feeling, but it was at halftime. And just the way the game was going just kind of felt like it was the heats. You know what I'm saying? And Jimmy Butler to start the game, he was hot. He was hot. Started right where he left off in game three. Started out five of five. And it was looking like it was going to be another game three type performance from Jimmy. But got to give props to him. Got to give props to Frank Vogel. Because in my opinion, he made the adjustment of the series. Now, I don't even know if he actually made this adjustment because rumor has it AD actually told Frank Vogel and LeBron that he wanted to guard Jimmy Butler because LeBron was already being asked to do too much. So I don't know who's who decided it. It don't matter. It changed the game, in my opinion, because I felt like AD kind of gave Jimmy some fits. And, you know, the thing about AD, this is why AD is so versatile. And he deserves a lot of credit for asking for this assignment. If that, in fact, is true, that's what great players do. They ask for the assignment, and he did it. And AD is the best defender in the NBA, hands down. Yeah, I said it. AD is the best defender in the NBA, hands down. And it's simple. Who else is that versatile on the defensive end? I mean, maybe Giannis. I'll give you that. But other than that, there's nobody that is that versatile on the defensive end. Who He's guarding Jimmy Butler, and he's staying with him when Butler decides to drive the ball. And that changed the whole game, in my opinion. The fact that AD was able to stay with Butler, and then even when he didn't, even when he didn't, he was getting blocks from behind, and it was just 
fantastic to watch. It was a fantastic defensive performance from Anthony Davis. I don't really want to get into if he should have been the defensive player of the year because I thought Giannis was great on the defensive end as well, but I do like the fact that he asked for the assignment on Jimmy because that is what great players do. And Anthony Davis, this postseason, if he's proved anything, he has proved that he is great. And what I really liked about that performance from AD was that he really struggled on the offensive end for at least the first half. I mean, at least the first half, he was not dominating the ways that he did in games one and two, and he hasn't dominated the ways that he did in games one and two since then. So, I mean, you got to expect him to dominate, but he hasn't done that. But what I liked about yesterday is he just found another way to win. And that's what great players do. They find other ways to win. AD was struggling on offense, so what did he do? Let me take the best player on the heat. Let me take him out. Let me play good defense. Let me get some blocks. Let me show y'all why I was in the running for defensive player of the year. Hats off to Anthony Davis because he's crushing all these arguments that everyone had against him down one by one this postseason, much like LeBron James, his co-star. That's what AD's doing. And I love to see that performance because a lot of the night I really was. I was sitting there wondering, where is AD on the offensive end? Why why isn't he being aggressive? Why isn't he being ultra aggressive? Well, because he's playing his butt off on the defensive end. And you saw that all night. AD had some big defensive plays and none bigger than taking the challenge of guarding Jimmy Butler for a lot of that game. So hats off to AD. No doubt about it. And it was tough for Jimmy Butler after those first five field goals. It was. And I mean, I don't blame him. Just think about it. If you're Jimmy Butler, how much tougher can it get than having to see AD? And then the next time up the floor, you have to see LeBron. I mean, those guys ain't scrubs on the defensive end now. They're two of the best defensive players in the league. And I know LeBron didn't make all NBA first defense, but that was a travesty. He should have made all NBA first defense this year because he played it. And you've seen it all year. And for Jimmy to have to go through AD and then come down the floor and then have to deal with LeBron too, it's a lot to ask for. And that's good on AD for asking for the assignment and good on Vogel for making it happen. Not that Vogel really had a choice, but hell, you have to give him credit, right? (laughs) You know? And now let's not forget, while AD was doing that, while he was taking on the challenge, LeBron's effort on D didn't go unnoticed either. And what I mean by that is, He was the Lakers' leading rebounder on the night. So while AD was guarding Jimmy, LeBron was on Bam, and LeBron was just dominating Bam on the glass. He's just too big, too big, too strong. And LeBron took the challenge because you ask great players when they're struggling on offense, and AD and Bron did struggle on offense, especially that first half. They only combined for 16 points that first half, those two. Only had eight each. That's not a great game on the offensive end for either of those guys in the first half. But great players always find a way. And that's what they did. During that time where they weren't hitting, they found other ways to affect the ball game. And good on them. And I thought the game was a bit sloppy and physical, which I thought fit right into what the Heat wanted to do. You know what I'm saying? I feel like the Lakers didn't even come out with the requisite amount of energy again or effort again. And I felt like the Heat came out like they were ready to play again and feeling good about themselves. 
So I felt like, especially at halftime, I, I, I got to tell you guys, I was getting a little concerned for the first time this postseason about the Lakers. I was getting a little concerned because it was looking like it was a Miami Heat type of ball game. It really was. It was sloppy. It was physical. The Lakers were turning the ball over. I mean, it was ridiculous. So I felt like the Heat maybe are going to find a way to win this game about half halfway through at halftime. I was thinking maybe the Heat win this game. But we already talked about it. LeBron wasn't very good in the first half. And look, he had five, four to five turnovers, and he was just being sloppy with the ball, which he occasionally is now. He occasionally does that. And he only had eight points. But in the second half, oh, oh, oh yeah, LeBron showed up. LeBron made two of the biggest shots, I feel like, of the game in the second half, and they were midway through the third quarter when he hit those bomb threes, and they were bombs. First one came from about Staples Center. That's how deep it was. (laughs) Hit it from the logo with about 820 left in the third quarter. That was the first one, and that gave the Heat, or that gave the Lakers, excuse me, a one-point lead. So that was a huge shot. And like I said, LeBron was struggling. He hadn't hit a three up to that point. So his teammates, you know, you see that go in from LeBron, and you start to feel good about it because if LeBron gets rolling from the outside, there's nothing you can do. Nothing you can do except pray because when he's hitting it from the outside, you just it's just not going to work. It's just not going to work out for you. So I felt like that first shot really gave the Lakers' whole team a boost. And that came, as I said, with about 8 minutes, 20 seconds left in the third. Gave the Lakers a one-point lead. And then the second three came with about 6 minutes and 45 seconds left in the third. And it was huge because it gave the Lakers a five-point lead. And it was just huge for the psyche of that team. It was, for all the reasons I just mentioned. And then I didn't even just mention, there was a foul call on another one of LeBron's threes, which he made. So it would have been three, but it got called back. And just seeing that, if you're a Laker teammate, after seeing LeBron struggle all that time, after he's texting you guys, this is a must-win game before the game, and seeing him struggle the way he did in that first half, four to, or I think he had five turnovers, not four to five. It was definitely five turnovers for LeBron, and only eight points. And for him to come out in the third and score nine Like that, yeah, I think his teammates liked that a lot, and I do think it gave the Lakers a much, much needed boost. So LeBron goes, gets nine in the third, and then AD contributes and hits a huge three at the end of the third quarter to push the lead to seven with about two minutes left, and that made it 71-64 Lakers. So big shots from their two biggest players at the two biggest moments of the game. And it got the Lakers the lead in the game. And we all know the story. I've said it multiple times on this podcast. The Lakers this season are undefeated when leading after three quarters. They are 56-0. and 0. That is dominant. That is ridiculous. 56 and oh, and I saw I heard some crazy stat today about LeBron James in his last two healthy full seasons. So that'd be this year and 2018 with the Cavs. Full seasons we're talking here now. When he has the lead after three quarters, he is 106 and one. That is mind blowing. That that is you can't even comprehend that greatness. Especially when you got people out there literally telling you that he ain't clutch. 
It's like, my guy, have you looked at the numbers? This is ridiculous. What's the definition of clutch? Closing games out. If you're 106-1 and one in the last two seasons, you've been healthy after leading three? After three? Come on now. If that ain't clutch to you, then I don't think you need to be talking basketball. Really? Really? So 56-0 this season for the Lakers. That's incredible, especially, like I said, when you got two guys like Braun and AD, who everyone all said all year was chirping all year. These guys ain't closers. These guys ain't clutch. You can't count on them to close. I don't know what games everybody been watching, but 56-0 telling me that they can close, and they do a damn good job of it. You know what I'm saying? Now, even with that, though, the Heat did make it interesting, and it was tied up at 83 in the fourth midway through when LeBron James, the unclutch LeBron James, took the Lakers home. He scored seven straight points, and he scored or assisted on every Laker basket the rest of the way. But you keep saying he's not clutch. You keep clinging on to that 2011 finals against the Mavs where he wasn't clutch. And you neglect to remember that since then, there has never been a more clutch player in the history of the NBA. That's facts. Look at the numbers. More combined game-winning shots than Kobe and Michael, who everyone everyone just claims is definitely more clutch than LeBron. LeBron's not even on their level when it comes to clutchness. Yet he's got more playoff game winners than both of them combined. It's insane. I don't know where people get these narratives. I really don't. And he scored those seven straight points, scored or assisted on every point throughout. And like I said, the first half, did he play well? No, he did not. Only eight points in the first half. But, but the second half, he came to play. The second half, he scored 20, nine in the third, 11 in the fourth. He hit seven out of seven free throws in the fourth. And he's not even a good free throw shooter. He's like 68%. That's clutch. That's called making them when you need them. Because, and he needed them. I mean, you, you could think that the Lakers are better than the Heat all you want. I think everybody does, right? But still, you don't want to be 2-2 against this team because then they're feeling great about themselves and the Lakers are not right now, if that's the case. So those are big, big shots. And we can't talk about being clutch without talking about AD because he had that dagger three. Again, AD did it. Again. And it feels like, We've seen it throughout these playoffs from him. And I think we can kind of start to kill the narrative that AD isn't clutch either, right? The big game winner in the Western Conference Finals. He's played like a madman in these playoffs. Historic game one and twos in the finals. That shot last night. Yeah, this whole AD's not a dog. This whole AD's not clutch. You can't count on him in big spots. That, that conversation's done. Squash it, end it. It's done. And the same goes for LeBron. Even though that should have been squashed about eight years ago. <laughs> you know? I mean, really. Hats off to the Lakers and AD and Braun because that was big time what I saw from them in the second half. And we cannot go without mentioning KCP. Well, actually, before we move on to KCP, 
I do got to say one more thing about AD because not a lot of people have said it so far. And that is the fact that AD last night in the second half, he had 14 points in the second half. Braun had 20. They combined for 34. That's your dynamic duo showing up for you. That's the best duo in basketball. And that's the best duo that we've seen since Kobe and Shaq. It was on full display last night in the third and fourth quarters. But I will continue. So back on. KCP. I can't say enough good things about this guy. Because this guy in Lakerland, let me tell you, he's gotten a lot of hate. Lakers, a lot of people feel like they signed him to some bad contracts or a, a bad contract. And they didn't want him, and he was struggling for a bit. But he has been clearly one of the Lakers' most valuable players all year long. And especially in the playoffs. And he deserves credit. Last night, 15 points, and he hit some huge shots for the Lakers. Huge those were big, big shots for the Lakers. So you got to tip your cap to him. And again, I thought Kyle Kuzma was stroking it pretty well outside from the outside. So I liked what I saw there. Markeith Morris was good. He got 30 minutes last night. Vogel played him some big minutes. I believe he got the start in the third quarter. And he even had a big three of his own in the third quarter, which I think tied it all up at 52. So Markeith Moore showed up too, got his 30 minutes in. And another person that showed up, another person that showed up, Rajon Rondo. Now, I know there's a lot of talk about playoff Rondo and all that, and I believe it. It's legit. It is legit. But last night, the stats don't prove it. And what I mean by that is I think he only had like two points or something like that. So it doesn't really look like he made that big of an impact. But this is where you'd be wrong because people who watch the game know that he did all the little things. He's getting under people's skin. He's scratching and clawing for the basketball, getting steals, playing good physical D, batting the ball back for chances of offensive rebounds, chances for second chance points. Rondo played well last night, even though the stat sheet won't say it. But that's the thing. The stat sheet doesn't always say it. And that's been the case with Rondo. And Rondo, he just does the little things right. That's one thing you love about him. He does the little things right. That's what he does. So the Lakers, that's a big time win for them. And the Heat, you know, I Bam played. And I gave, thought it gave him a boost. Drogic did not play. And... For those of you that saw the video, he did tear up on the sideline trying to give it a go in pregame warmups. He just couldn't do it with a torn plantar fascia. Like I said, I just don't think he's going to be able to do it at any point in the series, even if the Heat won a few games. I don't think so. But you saw the raw emotion from him where he was shedding some tears. He looked like he was tearing up on the bench. Um, I mean, that's heartbreaking for him. It really is. You work so hard to get to this point. You're having a career postseason, and that happens to you. You feel for the guy? I certainly do. But it's not like the Heat didn't have a chance without him. The Heat have played damn well the last two games. And they still got a shot. I do not expect the Heat to roll over one bit in Game 5. I do not. I do not. So let's just get in there. We already got into it. Lakers won Game 4. They take the 3-1 lead. There's been 35 3-1 leads in the NBA Finals history, and the teams that's gone up 3-1 to wins the Finals, or they have won the Finals 34 
of the 35 times, I'm guessing you know which time that did not, and that would be the two, 2016 Golden State Warriors against LeBron James's Cavaliers when they were up 3-1 and they lost the series. So history definitely on the Lakers' side here, but like I said, I don't think the Heat are going to roll over for Game 5, so let's just get started on this Game 5, which will be Friday night, so a couple days rest in between for these guys, which is much well-deserved. I'm sure they're exhausted playing big-time minutes, playing this physical basketball so I think it makes for a pretty darn good game on Friday night as well. So do I think the Lakers clinch it and win the title Friday night? I'm going to tell you right now, I do. I really do. I think the Lakers go on to gentlemen sweep every round this playoffs. And I think they go on to win the title on Friday night, and this is news in case you haven't heard yet, the Lakers are actually planning on wearing their Mamba jerseys in Game 5. So that tells me that's a clear-cut statement to me from them that they're looking to end this thing. <laughs> you heard AD say it. You heard LeBron say it. We do not want to lose in these jerseys. If they're wearing those jerseys, they're coming out there for one thing, and that's to end the Miami's Heat season. And I think they do it. Now, does that mean I think it's going to be an easy win? No, I do not. I do not think the Heat for one second are going to lay down and let the Lakers parade all over them with the championship. No way in hell do I think that's going to happen. I think the Heat are going to show up. I think they're going to play physical, and I think they're going to give the Lakers a pretty damn good game, and I think the Lakers are going to have to earn this one, which is a little concerning to me because we have seen a few times throughout this postseason the Lakers get a little, little lackadaisical, a little lazy, a little like... Look at us, and I know they're hearing all the news waves, every, all the airwaves saying they're going to win on Friday and this series is over. All the airwaves basically talking like this game, this series ended last night. And this team, who knows? Hopefully they don't buy into that hype because I don't think Miami's going there for that. I certainly do not. I think Miami's going to go there to win, and they've shown you their character all season. It's another thing we talked about in my podcast yesterday. They just have basketball character and they've shown you their basketball character all season long so no way in hell are they going to roll over but i do think that the lakers get the win it just feels like it to me it just feels right for them to win in the mamba jerseys and i was just pointed out this the other day and this is crazy Kobe Bryant, the late, great Kobe Bryant, God rest his soul, him and Gigi and the eight other passengers on that helicopter. But Kobe Bryant, when he died, was 41 years old. If the Lakers win Friday night, they will have completed each round of the playoffs in 4-1 fashion. They played the Trailblazers, won that series 4-1. Played the Rockets, won that series 4-1. Played the Nuggets, won that series 4-1. And now, a chance to win the series against the Heat 4-1. When, when Kobe Bryant died, he was 41 years of age. And I know you've watched all playoffs. Look, when the Lakers first wore their Mamba jerseys, the score of that game was 24-8 in the early going. And then when they wore the Mamba jerseys again, LeBron James scored the Lakers' 81st point with 8.24 left in the clock in the third quarter. 
Or was it the fourth quarter? I don't know. One of those. I think it was the fourth quarter, actually. Scored the 81st point with 8.24 left. And now, now, the late, great Kobe Bryant died when he was 41. And now the Lakers have a chance to go through the whole playoffs, winning their series 4-1. to I mean, I don't know if you believe in signs or anything like that. I don't know, but it's getting pretty scary because the, the coincidences are too real right now. Kobe Bryant is with the Los Angeles Lakers. His spirit is there, and you could see it. It's been everywhere in front of our faces. So to me, I think it just feels right that the Lakers get this done on Friday. And to be quite honest with you, I just think LeBron James is just ready to get out of the bubble. I do. And I think he's ready to collect that fourth ring and to get his fourth finals MVP. And I know there's still people out there that think Davis might win it because he had that clutch three, and and every time Davis plays good, they win. Yes, that's all true, in fact. But I said it in my last podcast. I think Anthony Davis's game three cost him the NBA Finals MVP. It did. Because LeBron's been playing like a madman, averaging like 29, 11, and 9. And uh, he was snubbed from the regular season MVP. Yeah, I think he was. So I think he gets this finals MVP and caps off just an amazing year with the Lakers. But do not expect the Heat to make this thing easy. I'm telling you right now, the Heat are going to come out there and they are literally and figuratively going to scratch and claw at the Lakers all night long. So if you're the Lakers, don't think for one second it's going to be easy, even though I do think they ultimately get the job done And if I had a guess, I guess the game's tight for about three quarters. And then I think midway through the third, the Lakers kind of pull away and separate themselves from the heat. That would be my guess. I'm not sure because when they come out in those Mamba uniforms, they always seem to start out guns a-blazing. So I could be wrong there, but that's just kind of my gut feeling on how the game plays out. And yeah, that's just what I think. I think Friday night would be maybe possibly... The end of the NBA season. Finally. Finally. After a full year, basically. We'll finally get an end to the 2020 NBA season, possibly this Friday. But that'll do it for me today, folks. We are here on a Wednesday this time. Wednesday, October 7th. Had a few little scheduling conflicts with the Thursday this week. So I decided to do the show a little day early, right after Game 4 last night. And... Yeah, so thank you guys for joining me. And next time we talk, we might be having we might be having an NBA champion. And we might be discussing that NBA championship quite possibly. If not, then we will be discussing a game seven, which would be my nightmare. <laughs> and I'm sure it would be LeBron's nightmare as well. But if you guys like the show, don't forget to follow it and give it a thumbs up wherever you listen to podcasts and share it off all of your friends that love basketball as well. The more the merrier, as I always say. I am your host, Tyler. This has been Above the Rim, and we will see you next time.